0: One of the interesting things about being a writer is that you look back over your life and you see connections you didn't know existed. I went to school with my friend Bradley Boddicker and we graduated together, but we weren't really friends until years later when we were both writers. That's how we connected. So it's my great honor that Bradley was willing to share the following story in a two-part series with you. You're listening to Courageous Wordsmith, episode 42. This podcast presents conversation with and for real-life creatives on how we find and keep walking our unique paths. I'm your host, Amy Halbert. Welcome to my world. Today I'm talking with my good friend Bradley Boddicker in the first of a two-part series on his creative process. I can't wait for you to meet him. And so today I'm here with my friend Bradley Boddicker, and I've known you since fourth grade.
1: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It it is crazy. Miss Miss Zank.
0: (laughs) She was a great teacher. She was awesome. So I remember that we had to do a cookbook. And you put for our family traditions, from or like our country. Oh, yeah. And you had a hot dog because you were Hawaiian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember that until you just brought it up now. But I do remember that, yeah. Well,
0: I only remember because somewhere that's, you know, like those things you come across and then go, oh. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that's so cool.
1: <laughs> the hot dog's so Hawaiian. Oh, yeah. Well, that was me, man. I did the bare minimum to get by. We're not actually going to put that in the podcast, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the picture just popped up in my head. I'm like, oh, man. So the fun
0: thing about being a writer is that the stories that come up when you're writing, they're the things that some of them are like, oh, that's funny. And some of them are like, God, I don't want to remember that.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of things. I would give anything to go back in time, and visit my younger self. Some of them, I'd say, get stay away from this girl, man. She's trouble. (laughs) Other times, I'd be like, you know, hey, you gotta process some of the stuff. Life's gonna hurt. You'll learn from it. You can be all right. Trust me on this. You know, Mm. part of the reason why I like getting together with old high school Mm. friends—they have memories of things that I've done or that we've done that I was totally gone from my head until it comes up hey brad remember doing this and i'm like and i don't until you say it and then it pops into my head like a picture and i'm like i do remember that And
0: and that's a good feeling for you
1: yeah oh yeah i'm a very nostalgic person
0: so yeah those those memories they surprise you huh
1: yeah I think people tend to dwell on a lot of the negative stuff when they think back on stuff.
0: Right. Our brains are almost wired to hang on right. to the bad stuff.
1: Yep. Um, so it's nice to have these good, happy memories that I've kind of pushed out of the way. And I've concentrated on all this negative stuff, especially when I first started writing uh, poetry. It was all, look at all the horrible stuff that's happened to me. But it's nice to know that there were good stuff. And it's kind of sad that block those out
0: i mean so you started writing in serious back in high school yes much much earlier than like i aspired to but it didn't happen till later for me so like you were learning back in high school taking creative writing classes and really really indulging let's just say yeah that calling
1: it was um i read s.e hinton um the outsiders that was then this is now rumblefish mm. it really moved me emotionally Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I can, I can I write about that stuff? And then I read about S.E. Hint, and I'm like, yes, I can write about that stuff. And I did on a separate, there was a creative writing course, and I'm like, well, I'm taking it, and I took it, and I loved it. And then that's kind of lit my fire to write,
0: Yeah, and
1: since then I just took off with it, so...
0: I mean, you've published some things, you've put some stuff out there, you've done singing, you've done acting, you've done music, you've done a lot of creative stuff. Yeah. And you put stuff out there and just see what lands.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I'm one of those people where I put stuff out there and then I hide. You know? <laughs> and go, oh my God, I wonder where this bomb's going to land. You know, <laughs> My first book of poetry that I wrote, the publishing company, which is defunct now, was afraid that some of my poetry, somebody was going to read it and then turn around and sue us. And I said, why? They said, well, because they might think it's about them. And I said, that's because it is about them. (laughs) You know, there was stuff about my dad and I's relationship, my mother and I, uh, ex-wives, old girlfriends from high school even. But I wasn't worried about that. I was just like, I got to get this out. And again, when I got it out, I hid (laughs) I <laughs> said, oh, okay, let's just wait to see what the damage is. But there was no damage. In fact, it actually helped open up a lot of things between my, me and my dad that weren't there before.
0: So the writing was a tool to healing for you, for sure.
1: Yes. Yep. I think it helped me identify what was bothering me. You know, you wake up in a funk. Don't know why. You're just really shitty to people all day. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. And then you just start writing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, That's what's bothering me. I better do something before I do something horrible to somebody, you know?
0: Well, that's the thing that's so interesting about it, right? You get it on the page, and everybody can see it on the page, and it's so obvious it was there all along. Right. And so sometimes one of my big frustrations is people, oh, don't want to talk about bad things. Look, bad things are out there.
1: Right, they are, yeah.
0: So... How do we deal with them? I don't think it's to just sit there and indulge in them forever, you no know, poor me, but it is at least to look at what's there and take it out into the sunlight and look at it a little bit. Yeah. You know?
1: Absolutely. You know, it's, one of my writing friends um, out of New Jersey said, dude, you're like a Hawaiian Bukowski. Mm. And at the time I was like, who's Bukowski? Because the only people I read was John Updike and Jack Kerouac mm. and SC Hinton, of course, but, uh, So I started reading Bukowski, and I go, yeah, I guess I am kind of like that. And then he was a drinker and a writer. You know, he Mm. drank to write and wrote to drink. And Mm. I'm like, ooh, I kind of like that.
0: You like the idea of drinking, or you were already drinking?
1: Well, I mean, I was already (laughs) drinking, but I was like, you know, I could get drinking, um, just start writing. You know, I didn't. I was into drugs in high school, and I quit those by the time I got out. And then... I got into drinking, and then pretty soon I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the tortured artist mm. type of thing. Kind of like what we had talked about with fetishizing.
0: Before we recorded, we were talking about how I think... I have a theory. I've seen a lot of people fetishizing alcohol of late. And I'm really interested in this idea of the sacred and the profane. Mm-hmm. And alcohol is a way of connecting with spirits. We're so thirsty for spirits. Yeah. Because we're numbing ourselves from actual spirit. Right. I don't think this is something that originated with me. This is just something on my radar right now that I'm I'm really paying attention to. I know because you and I have talked about lots of things. We, you know, we're friends, we talk about a lot of different things and right. one of the things I notice is you have a lot of compassion for people with alcohol problems, with drug problems, people who are down on their luck. But also, you've kind of been through that path and you're in a different place. So do you want to talk about that?
1: Sure. A lot of my earlier days of writing and just living my, in my adulthood, I spent a lot of the time in the trenches, you know. Hmm. Um, I did not have a lot of tools when I became an adult to deal with life. Hmm. Handing you, you know, I could deal with happy stuff. Everybody can deal with that. But when the real stuff comes to you, like when, okay, you have bills to pay, and if you don't pay them... A collection guy is going to call you and hound you until you pay those things Mm -hmm. um or relationship things where you fall in love and you think okay this is my forever person and then they cheat on you or it just doesn't work out and they go somewhere else i had no idea how to cope with that
0: and that's such a relatable thing i mean you find that person and they they cheat on you or they die or something happens yeah like that's not fair right i mean that's that's such a human thing right nobody wants that but that's not what happily ever after was supposed to be
1: right a lot of my early poetry stuff um really deals with kind of that stage in my life where i was like sesame street and mr rogers lied to us the world is not kind (laughs) it's mean and it's like and it hurts and i use the language of Yeah, I grew up, opened up the door to adulthood, and life hit me in the face with a cinder block and a couple ice picks and says, Here you go. This is what you get to look forward to for the next 20, 40 years. And I was like, I don't want to cope with this. And I I didn't cope with it very well. Um, You know, and it was was a lot of drinking. Um, I did a bottle of scotch and a bottle of sleeping pills, tried ending myself, ended up in a nut hut. And I was there for about a month.
0: How old was this?
1: Uh, I was 19. Yeah, I was going to art school. I was going to be a big artist. When I got out of art school, they said, um, how much computer graphics do you have? And I said, I have none. They did not teach it to us. And they go, well, everybody's doing computer graphics, so you need to go back to school. And I'm like, screw that. I ain't going back to school, man. (laughs) I said, I've been drawing since I was five years old, so what can I? And it's like, yeah, you got a computer, so... Bad timing. Yeah, really bad timing. So I ended up going to, um, I ended up going to school. Well, I worked in a factory for a while, and then I went to school to be uh, law enforcement at a law enforcement school, and I did that for a while because I could help people, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. I could be you know the superhero that I used to draw in comic books, and anyhow, you know, I just wanted to make a difference, and I wanted to help people that were in you know low places and. Turns out there's a lot of baggage that gets dumped on you when you do that kind of work too.
0: Well, if you do it without doing your own work first and a yes. and a really serious set of boundaries. Yeah. And the only way you get that is by doing work on yourself. And right. it sucks. And you do it anyway because what is the alternative?
1: Yeah. Well <laughs> and the, you know the funny thing is is when I when I was getting into law enforcement they do a psychological eval on you. And so you, I went to go do mine, and the psychologist goes, "Well, looks like you got some dad issues." I go, "Yeah." "Well, oh, you got some anger issues." I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> well, "You got a lot of abandonment issues." "Yep." Yeah. Oh, "Some suicidal thoughts?" I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, you should probably see a psychologist about that." He goes, "Here you go. Here's your letter <laughs> letter of approval." I'm like, "Hand me a badge and a gun, man. I'm ready to go." Oh, God. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I'm like, "Hmm." But yeah, that so was,
0: even when it was happening, you saw that as problematic.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow. I would just think. Um, yeah, I mean, law enforcement. I mean, that's that's a totally different conversation. But um, sure. you know, those those guys see a lot of crap and they bring in a lot of crap from their own past. Uh, I don't think they. Same with our soldiers. You know, they train them to kill, but they don't.
0: Our society is not good at dealing with people who have domestic health, domestic issues, or mental health issues, or supporting the people that are out there taking care of us. Right. You know, the people who are sick, you're sick. Our society is not great at dealing with that.
1: Yeah, Thanks for
0: your service, by the way. Yeah,
1: thanks for your service. Here's some pills. Deal with it. Right. So, really, writing was kind of my therapy. I mean, I tried therapy with one-on-one and group and all different types of twelve-step stuff, and I ended up just writing as my therapy. Writing music mm-hmm. um, when I did the acting thing um, down in the city of Blue Earth mm-hmm. that was huge for me. That was really huge. I didn't Starred realize. Starred as Shrek. I got in Shrek the Musical. Shrek, yeah. <gasps> um my kids pushed me if if it wasn't for my kids i probably wouldn't have done it but um i took them to see shrek all the time and we watched shrek about a half a million times right at home and so i used to do the shrek voice all the time and um i was like oh you got to do it so i auditioned Mm -hmm. and they said yeah you got the voice down it's a lead role and it's a musical can you carry the songs that need to be sung? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never been a lead in a musical before. <laughs> and I said, I, you know, I've been in a rock band a couple of times, but I've never done this. And they're like, on. and then the music director looked at me and goes, are you busy on Tuesday and Thursday nights? And I'm like, no. He goes, why don't you come over to my house? Next couple weeks. And he goes, we'll get you there. Mm. So I did that. And then I went and audition for the songs and boom. And I'm like, did that come out of me? And they're like, yeah. So that
0: sounds like a really big turning point where you start to realize that art, creation, creativity is not just a way to blunt the pain, but it's actually a way towards something that's positive and, and, yeah. and uplifting for people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the coolest things about the Shrek thing after the show, you know, everybody comes to greet you. Mm hmm me and my buddy Pete that played Donkey, um, we had to stay in character because all these kids wanted to come and right. sit on our lap and take pictures with us and stuff like that. <laughs> so we just did this improv thing between the two of us, yeah, to you know, just to entertain the people. and that was so much fun because you had no idea how much um, everybody has lived Shrek's life. Mm. Really,
0: we all Every, think we're the ogre sometimes,
1: yep. and nobody nobody realizes that we all have layers, you know, as they yeah. say, yeah, you know, oh, we're like onions, you know, <laughs> there's layers, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful speak talk about kind of who we all are on the inside and i think it was it's very healing for me my marriage actually was going south at the time that i while you were performing while i was performing oh wow in fact um i moved out in the middle of all of that wow so yeah but I was like, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll go through life as Shrek, you know.
0: <laughs> we do that, right? So, okay, <laughs> right? this didn't work. Okay, I have found the role. I will do this now, yep. right? And, and This and, is
1: who I am. And
0: I don't have to deal with all that stuff that was back exactly. there. Right.
1: I just have to deal with, you know, caping people out of my swamp, you know.
0: <laughs> well, and you were really good. I mean, so I'm going to put this in there because... You've shared some really hard times, but what I remember, because you and I went to high school together, we actually went to fourth grade together, as we mentioned, but yep. we went through high school and anybody who read my book tells you, I didn't feel like I belonged in high school. I had my place, right? right. I, wasn't, I wasn't nobody in high school, but I didn't feel like I belonged. I definitely see you as bringing other people in. You're almost a softer place to land for other people than you have been for yourself
1: mm. many yeah. times.
0: And I don't think that that's what you aspire to anymore.
1: I don't mind helping people out. I don't mind being there for people. But it's it's tough when people just rest on you a while, mm-hmm. and then they go out and they do the same exact thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then they come back expecting. Oh my God, I didn't realize that was going to happen. It's like you just walked into the same situation mm-hmm. you were in before. Mm-hmm. That goes with law enforcement.
0: Mm-hmm. The police are going to keep order. You don't keep yourself in order. The police keep it in order. Right. Hmm. Well,
1: it's, you know, I I grew attached to some of these kids that I mm. didn't have to deal with. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, you're you're a great kid, really. And you've got a great family. you got kids. Get the hell out of this town. When you're done serving your time, get out of town. Get away from those people that are heavy on drugs and go live your life. You've yeah. got so much potential for beautiful life there. Yeah. Do it. So and they didn't.
0: So, I think... Think, tell me where I'm wrong on this one, but I think you had a year that just forced you, like a reckoning. But it was like it was like what one, two years, or a couple years there, where you just had a reckoning where you no longer could take care of anybody else. Yep. And life was like, no, Bradley, it's your turn, and you are going to look at it. And life really forced you to look at it. Yep. So, and I'm trying to remember exactly what year that was. It 2016.
1: I think yeah, it was 2016 because that was when. Um
0: I remember this because I got, because it was the year I quit my teaching job and I was like mm, looking at, you know, so we were sort of on Facebook and I was, yep. okay, there's Bradley doing his thing, here's me doing my thing. You know, we both were in sort of that
1: right, time at yeah. that time. So I, I mean, Well, I was dealing with cancer. Right. That was the year I got cancer. And, right. And um, then I found out that my mom had Alzheimer's. Yeah. And the only reason I found that out is because uh, my girlfriend at the time, who was kind of refereeing my family as they were all waiting for my surgery to get done right my mother asked why we were at, why they were at the hospital probably four or five times within an hour she had no idea why i was there she's like well your son has cancer she'd bawl and then 20 minutes later she'd ask again
0: she's sitting in the waiting room
1: mm-hmm. so um you know i found that out and i said okay well after i recover then i'm going to take two months off of work go take care of mom Right. Let's figure out what needs to be done. And I did that, and that was that was very taxing on on my mental status. And then that's when tequila and Jameson's kind of became my my best friend.
0: Mm. Before and, she even died.
1: Yeah. To me, she was already. She wasn't the woman that I grew up with.
0: So it's kind of like your mom is dead, except you still have to sit there and take care of
1: her. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because um, my mom was a strong woman. She's a very strong woman, and to see her down like that.
0: Yeah. Um, We're going to do a whole episode about just talking about your mom, too, uh, afterwards, yeah. you know, so just for people to know yeah. that. So, yeah, so your mom is sick. She's got Alzheimer's. How long does she have Alzheimer's before she goes?
1: Um, she actually died that year.
0: Okay. So Same was year you had two, the cancer. Yeah.
1: Uh, it was a year after okay so i recovered at the end i was pretty much november is when i was fully recovered and then january is when i went down to see my mom and take care of things it was january february march i spent there right so and then that july is when she died wow so
0: yeah. yeah because again facebook yeah i remember where i was the july that you had your surgery so that was july right because i was i was doing my little thing and i remember i was on a trip somewhere and i was like oh Bradley's having a surgery right so one year later so 2017 your mom passed
1: yeah it was actually almost to the day yeah she july 28th is when she died wow um june june 28th seventh i think my grandma passed away so
0: before your mom
1: Yep, a month before my mom and then yeah it was a tough year
0: and you said you lost your dog
1: and then i lost my dog the year after that yeah actually
0: so you were drinking and you've talked about how that time drinking was categorically different than it had ever been before
1: yeah it was well i mean i drank to party Right. and
0: to be clear you're not you're you, you still drink it's oh, just yeah. in a very different way now
1: absolutely yeah but
0: but that was not okay what was happening to you at that point you, mm-hmm. you've said
1: yeah because it was i i drank until i just don't remember anything i'd blackout. i don't remember driving home most of the time i don't remember doing a lot of things i did um it wasn't until i guess you'd call them my drinking buddies
0: because <laughs> you're a bouncer at the
1: bar yeah bouncer <laughs> and a bartender yeah and wasn't until they kind of Took me off the side and said, Hey, you got some thinking to do, mm. which is weird hearing from your drinking buddies. So they noticed my drinking had changed, you know, and these are guys that I'd whoop it up with. And so uh, that was kind of the thing that said, Okay, I got to stop this.
0: So you did what as a result of that?
1: Well, I wrote napkin Rants. <laughs>
0: So you can find this out there, Bar Napkin Ranch. Yeah, it's
1: on Amazon. (laughs) And really, I just started reading that stuff this year, and I looked at it, and I'm like, holy crap, there's a whole lot of everything in there. It's not just poetry. It's a mishmash of stories of relationships I've been in all the way from high school to now. Mm -hmm. And just little tidbits on there on failed relationships because... I didn't really have a good guide to know what a good relationship is, except for just trial and error. Mm -hmm. And also, just eyes through a drunk, dealing with cancer and the deaths of uh, my mother and my grandmother, uh, my furry best friend. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was pretty clouded. So, like we had talked earlier.
0: Mm -hmm. Before we started recording. Yeah.
1: I wish that I would have had all that stuff written down and then waited till i kind of straightened myself out and dealt with my stuff and then re then redid all of it and then published it because when i read it it's totally what my mind was like Mm. like you ever watch tv with that one person that has to flick through the channels half a million times and you don't get to really see what's going on because it would be too painful to look
0: at any of the stuff right hmm
1: that's kind of what that book is like. It's like I'm kind of coming in different angles. It's There's poetry, there's some short stories in there, there's um, just little sayings that I wrote on a napkin because I was drunk and I thought I'd be a philosopher while I was at it. That was the Bikowski in me. So it's a bumpy ride. It's a real bumpy ride, yeah.
0: This story is to be continued. Thanks for listening to Courageous Wordsmith. Today's episode featured Bradley Boddicker, you can read about him and find links in the show notes. And my editor is the talented Will Queen. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help it thrive and grow organically. Please subscribe right on this page. Share with friends and sign up for True Lines, my letter for real-life creatives. Please and thank you for your support of all kinds. You can learn more about me and my work with emerging creative writers at CourageousWordsmith.com. I'm Amy Hallberg. And until we meet again, travel
1: safely.